and welcome to episode 11 of the Mass Business Podcast. My name is Matt Ward, and I am so excited to be your host for this podcast. I've got a great guest for you today. It's Laura Sawyer Messing. She's with Design Innovation, an award-winning, high, highly experienced creative director who specializes in brand development, design for print and digital, social media marketing, and web design. She is a strong entrepreneurship professional with a BFA focused in graphic design from Webster University. Laura is extremely well-versed in designing for the entertainment industry, the retail and luxury brands, and the restaurant and hospitality industry. You know, there's lots of Laura Laura Sawyers out there, and there's lots of Laura Messings out there, but there's only one, Laura Sawyer Messing. Are you ready to meet her? I am. Let's go. Welcome to the Mass Business Podcast, where small business owners, also known as risk takers, share their stories about the growth of their business and themselves. Our interviews and our content is focused on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. I say it all the time, and I'll say it again today, you never know where your next referral will come from. Hey, and welcome to the show, Laura. Great to have you. Hey, Matt. Thank you. You know, your your name is a bit of a tongue twister. I was struggling a little bit to get, because it kind of rhymes a little bit and kind of Laura Sawyer messy. And if you don't say it a lot, I mean, I'm sure you say it greatly. (laughs) I, you know, I've had it for quite a while. So, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So those of you listening, if you want to do business with Laura, you're going to have to learn how to say her name really fast five times. It's going to be a fun game. But yes. while you're learning how to do that, in a quick 30 seconds, Laura, can you go ahead and share with the audience, both listening and watching on YouTube, what exactly it is that you do? Well, first and foremost, I'm a graphic design professional, which means different things to different people I've learned. But my specialty lies in brand building and brand development. And we do everything that is an extension of brand building. So once we develop your logo and your positioning and your colors and all the look and feel of your brand, then we extend that into your print media, into your digital media, and into your social media marketing. So let's 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 dig into that just a little bit. You know, on this podcast, we talk about business growth. And one of the things that drives me friggin' batty about people in networking environments and referrals and introductions and the things I talk to my clients about is, how do you clearly delineate yourself from others and how do you do so so quickly that people understand what you do? Because there's nothing worse than saying, uh, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And oh, by the way, I do that. I do that. Oh yeah. The kitchen sink. I'll do that too. <laughs> right. And so the brand is a part of that, right? That's correct. And I like to say that I am looking for clients who basically They don't need graphic design. They want graphic design. They understand the value of a strong brand and they understand that everything needs to go together and needs to be perfectly in sync with each other. 
as opposed to maybe someone who just needs a splashy little social media page. I mean, I'm happy to do that as well. But I think that if if you're looking at companies like 99designs and Fiverr for your branding, then you're not my ideal client. So so I love that. You, you have determined who is for you and who is not for you, something my coach, Tamsin Webster, always says. Now, how did you or when did you get to that point in your business where you decided, yeah, 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 there's certain people not for me? I figured that out, fortunately, pretty early on, but it, you, never, you never get around all of that when you're a graphic designer or when you own an agency. You have to, to gently steer your clients into really what's best for them and their company and their overall brand and how people perceive them. So it, it's difficult, but at the heart of everything I do, I keep the best interest of my clients in mind. And that's mm-hmm. what drives me and steers me because everything, if they're not successful, then I haven't done my job. Yeah. And there's something interesting that I picked up on too. When you were talking about your ideal client, you were really talking about a mindset, which is really difficult often, I think, for many small businesses to figure out about their ideal client. So, you know, we have uh, hundreds, well, maybe tens. Well, I don't know. I'd like to think there's thousands of people listening to this. But those people that are listening, they may not, and I hear this all the time, Laura, they, they don't, they know who they want to go after, but they often don't know why, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not talking about their why. I'm talking about the thing you said. Like, look, I'm complete. Like, there's a lot of people that need graphic design. I'm completely okay with people using Fiverr and 99 designs. And that's okay. That's not me. There's a space for me. And that's not it. That's okay. How does a small business get to that point where they think like that? It's not always easy because when you are a small business and you have other people depending on you for their income, for example, you really want to make sure everyone's taken care of. So it's very tempting to take every job that comes your way. But I have found that sometimes that can do more harm than good. You just have to really stay the course and keep going after clients who understand the value that you bring to the table. And as a designer, it's hard because designers love to design. We all love to design. You know, everyone says we would do it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes and no. But that's how much designers really enjoy what they do. And so, you know, it's it's hard to mm-hmm. turn down work. but Because it's I, your passion, right? And you love right. doing it. And, like, that's my thing with the referral coaching, right? When I do the referral coaching, I wouldn't do it for free but I would do it for bacon. Right. There you right? go. So like, and that's the thing is like, I mean, there's so, there's, there's so many things you said in the last couple of sentences that I just really are synergistic with me, right? In the high five effect, uh, um, how to do business with people that bring you joy. The book I wrote, it comes out the fall of 2021. There's a whole section in there on value and valuing yourself, which you mentioned. And there's also a whole section in there about trusting your gut. And the reason you trust your gut is on things like taking on the wrong clients who become a time suck and a drain suck out of the business. And they pay very little, but they want a lot of attention. 
And those aren't the ideal clients. That's true. And sometimes, occasionally, you'll get a client that starts off great, and then they become that client. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it happens, but sometimes it does. And you have to know when to let them go and release them back into the wild. (laughs) (laughs) It's catch and release. It's like fishing. It's catch and release, right? It is. is. Do you... um, how how much better today? Well, that's an assumption. Are you better today at uh, reading the tea leaves of prospects to determine if they're best fit clients for you in the future? Oh, yeah. And that's something um, I wasn't great early on. I was a lot more emotional about my work because designers tend to be. We really get into it and we dig into it. And we try really hard. And so when you have that rejection and, and, you know, or if a client just doesn't like what you're doing, then sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate between when a client just doesn't like a concept, for example, or if you're, they're really not meant for you. And so you have to be able, there's a lot to sort out. But if you've been doing it for a while, you can pretty immediately tell. And I've had clients that I knew were not right. And they they keep coming after me. They're like, oh, we really want you to do this. I'm like, I just don't think I'm a good fit for you. And, you know, it's in their best interest if I reject them. Yeah. And I worked with one client. In the first week I worked with her, I had her fire a client. Like it just, it was so draining on the business and I'll never forget the relief that she had when she did that. Um, And you just have to let people go as you, I love how you say it, release them into the wild. Yes. Yes. It, and it does feel good and you'll know it when you cut that tie. And it's not saying that you dislike that client or that you'll never do anything for them again, but that day-to-day relationship, when you do that, it's like, oh my gosh, you just open yourself up for more great business that you didn't have time for before. And that's abundance thinking, right? I mean, we have to, we always think in the scarcity model, if I let this client go, I'm, I'm without that income. And that's the one thing too that I wrote in the book too, is that we have to get past that survival stage um, to a predictable level of income before we start really trusting our gut to push away clients of any type because the reason we take them on prior to that is because we feel like we're broke and need the money. And right. so it's, it's a super challenge, you know, and, and, and I think all of this is a growth and learning experience. And so season one of the podcast, we're kind of focused on learning. How, how do you continually learn and how do you continually educate yourself, Laura? I can't not learn because as a design professional, if I stop learning the new technology and the new ways of doing things, I am dead in the water. I mean, I suppose you could continue to have a career just um, creating print work and using the same the same apps that you've used for years, but you will never experience any kind of growth and you will eventually fall behind. So in in graphic design, I would say, or in brand development or owning an agency, a design or a creative agency, you always have to be on top of the newest things that are coming out. And it's hard. You have to carve out that time. And you don't have a lot of time when you're running a small business. So, Is that the biggest issue? Yeah, I would say so. Because 
I love when I'm learning how to do something, I'm very hands-on and I learn by doing. So I have to take kind of a deep dive into it, especially because it's always brand new. There's always something and one app is not like another app. So you have to kind of learn how to do everything over. And yes, finding the time to take that deep dive and really understand how it works so you can create your best work is, it can be a challenge. So do you have a hack for for either finding the time or a way in which you structure your day that allows you to have that continual learning? Honestly, the way I continually learn is it's basically trial by fire a lot. Oh, of yeah. Because I'll be in the middle of one project for a client and then they want this little extra thing and oh by the way you have to do it this way and so I just have to jump in and do it. So basically it starts out that way, but eventually I'll be able to circle back and read up, you know, mm-hmm. more on the app, whether it's like Figma or XD, Adobe XD or something, some web development tool and really get in there and see all of the features and benefits and how I can use it. I'm very much like you. Uh, I'd like to tell people I have a degree from the university of Google. Um, and YouTube is my best friend now. I mean, there are literally, uh, you know, I, I, I fixed a mower the other day because I couldn't, I pulled it out of the box. I couldn't get it working. It wouldn't pull start. And they're like, Oh no, there's a safety switch here. You have to undo the handle and then you have to move it left four times, right three times. And I was like, it's a super safe. This is like a game cheat code when I was like 12. And I was like, this is like, this is not how adulting should be. Right. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I never went to college. Uh, I don't have a college degree, but I tell people I have a degree from the University of Google because I just spent, you know, I built an entire agency just going to Google and typing in what I needed and finding it out. And I, the thing is, I'm relentless with it. Like, if I want to know something, I'll find it out. And that goes for not just coding or whatever it was at the time, but it also goes for business growth. Do you find that you're doing the same thing for business operational procedure things, business management stuff as well? Absolutely. You're right about YouTube. Everything now is on YouTube and it's just this vast catalog of information. So it's so much easier to find answers to things now than it was even 25 years ago. So Yes, I do exactly the same thing. I try to figure out. I also ask a lot of questions of colleagues, trusted colleagues, I'll say. I don't just randomly ask people things. But if there's someone I know um, and I have a business question and it's in an area that I'm unfamiliar with, I will absolutely ask them. And I usually get fantastic answers and response. And people are, by and large, very, very helpful with things like that. And so that's that's hugely important. That's another anecdote in business and, and how to grow is to surround yourself with fantastic people. I mean, the people you surround yourself with, hopefully they're as knowledgeable, if not no, more knowledgeable than you. And you're learning from these people that, you know, to reach out to. And I have a number of masterminds I'm a part of and, and bounce ideas off of. And um, I do meet people through networking groups that, might raise to that level. Typically I, you know, networking groups in general aren't mastermind groups, right? That's a different level of type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I have, by the way, found is that the more effective mastermind groups that I've been a part of are the ones that are I pay for, right? So I was a part of tab 
which is the alternative board. And that's like a peer advisory group. And so that's very, very effective or was very, very effective for me in growing my agency. Um, but not if you, if you find synergy with people in relationships and they're like-minded and they're, they add value to your life and surround yourself with those people. Um, that's the approach I kind of take to networking as a whole, you know, and I love that part of it. That would, that is definitely for me, the most beneficial part of networking. It's making connections with people who know things that I don't know. So I wouldn't say I've been successful just in networking groups, um, obtaining business, but I have been successful learning about business in networking groups. There are a number of people I know that join organized networking groups not to get referrals. They actually join to be surrounded by other like-minded individuals because in the solopreneur world, it's a very lonely world. And so this gets you out of the house. It gets yeah. you trading ideas and business ideas. With it. And it might get you good referrals. It might get you no referrals, whatever. But there was a guy I knew in a business group once, and he was like, yeah, every week he'd stand up, he'd give his commercial, and he'd say, by the way, I'm not looking for anything except solid advice from the people around this table. And I was like, that's genius. Like, it is. I think that's great stuff. Tell me about um, – Tell me about one time where maybe you learned something from somebody like, like you, cause you were talking about how you surround yourself with people and you get advice from people. What's, what's one sort of aha thing in business or even in graphic design that you learned from somebody else? Well, this is interesting because it wasn't something that someone taught me by imparting their wisdom. It was something I learned about myself in the middle of a big job that I was working on. And I, I have a lot of people that I work with who are very knowledgeable in things like coding and programming, things like that. And um, I had, this was a while back, I had this one project manager who was kind of 50-50. He was good at things like coding websites, and he was also good at directing um, the coders who had more experience. So he was very instrumental. And we were working on this project and we missed a benchmark and I was worried about that benchmark all the way up to the due date basically. And I kept asking him, I'm like, shouldn't we do X, Y, and Z? Because I thought, you know, he has so much more experience on this end than I do. But when I got my arms wrapped around the situation and took back control of this particular situation and got rid of some of the coders who were working on the project, it cleared things up and it started to run smoothly again. So I know that was a long story, but I think it taught me to trust myself and to trust my instincts as opposed to always giving away my, not my power, but assuming that someone knows more than I do. Yeah. Do you feel like you, um, you know, like you're better at that now than you were before, obviously, once this lesson happened? Yes, absolutely. And I, there will not be a time ever again where I won't step in and just take control of it. And it's not to be um, a prima donna or to be the big boss or anything like that. But you just know when something's not moving along quite right and you know, 
you just know when to step in. And I knew that whole time. And I was like, well, he's got a better handle on this than I do. No, he did not. This is part of that thing that I talk about when we outsource work as much as possible and we give up the reins to certain things. I have this philosophy that, that I tell people called trust but verify where we're trusting what they're doing, but verify. It sounds like you went to verify this and didn't like what you see, so you just you jumped in. But for a while there, you were just kind of letting it go, letting it go, trying to trust it was going to take care of itself. And there comes a point where we have to stop if it's in – if it's. so this is the other thing I talk about in small business all the time is that we have to make decisions fast mm-hmm. because if we make the wrong decision, we have time to adjust the course, right? But if we make the wrong decision too late – we don't leave ourselves enough time to adjust. And it yeah, sounds like you made it just in enough time to adjust it. In this particular situation, yes, it was just in the nick of time, but that will never happen again. I mean, you know, fool me once, shame yeah. on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, yeah. And, and I, I think that's a struggle, right? It's like, at what point do we build up that? Um, at what point do we build up the the understanding, the wherewithal, the ability to make that decision, at what point do we build that up so that we do actually act in that way? You, it, it takes practice. You just, when you have that feeling, that gut feeling that a project should go a certain way or things need to be done a certain way, you need to go ahead and act on it. And if you're wrong, okay, you're wrong. It's not the end of the world. But most of the time you will find that it's absolutely the right thing to do. I love that. I mean, there's so many things in here that I could feel like you, it almost sounds like you wrote my book, right? Because we have to talk about going at bats, right? The number of at bats creates this muscle memory that allows us to trust what we know is happening to make the decisions, right? And there's this idea that in business school, we didn't take gut instinct 101. Because it's not an actual tool to trust in business. And I learned probably midway through my 16-year agency that I had to trust my gut a lot more. And when I interviewed 50 small business owners for the book, there was this whole theme that was developing about they were just not trusting their gut early on, but then they were trusting it later on. And I was like, how can we get people to realize that they need to trust it earlier on? And I think the key is that repetition piece quicker. Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, it probably is a lot to ask for people to do that early on because you can tell someone to do it, but until they actually put it into practice, it's never going to happen. So it's something they need to kind of, you know, find out. We drive fast cars recklessly until we have an accident. And then we've learned not to do that again. Right. I mean, I think that's part of the, part of the challenge um, that we have to fail. We have to fail fast. We have to fail forward. We have to keep doing that and keep getting back up and keep doing it all over again. As it clearly says on the screen, failure can be a learning experience. Yes. Yes. It can. And I don't, I don't enjoy talking about my um, almost failures, but fortunately the project was not a failure, but that was truly a learning experience. And I want people to understand that you have to really trust your gut and really if you feel like you need to take control of a situation, you have to do it because. And there's something I learned from a business coach years ago, Laura, and it would be great in just about every experience we have in business and probably in life. And it's to ask ourselves four questions. Those four questions are very simple. What, 
what um what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Would I do it again? And if so, what would I do differently? And it's just that's the learning process of how we we iterate. In my book, I call it shitterating, right? <laughs> There's all this stuff against the wall. There's all this crap against the wall, right? And then we just have a small piece of it left, like 1%. If we can get better by 1% every day, we're going to be an amazing business down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't, nothing is going to happen overnight. It just won't. I tried when I started my business, I tried to, you know, make everything happen all at once and it just doesn't. Yeah. I call it the 20 year overnight success. Yes. That's what they see 20 years later, (laughs) they think was an overnight success, but you know, you get, you go look at Gary V and no one wants to look at his videos he was doing on YouTube years ago with one library before he got into the, the whole marketing business that he's in right now. So good stuff. Um, Laura, one big question I've always been asking people on the podcast is what tool, what business tool, business software, what hack, what software tool do you recommend that other business owners check out that is game changer in business growth? That that's a good question. Um, Probably, I don't know about business growth in terms of just one program or app, but just getting... What's the one What's the one piece of software that if I took it away from your mm-hmm. desktop right now, not graphic design software, one other piece of software that runs your business, if I took it away, you'd be miserable. It, I don't know if I'd be miserable, but probably QuickBooks because right? that's the only way I can keep track of anything. And I hate accounting. I'm a creative... I dislike accounting. Fortunately, my accountant is hooked up with it. And so that's that's the secret because I hate accounting so much that just the little bit that I put in, he's able to see and correct and make changes. So, And I have to add to this, right? So QuickBooks is such a strong um, piece of software for small business. So strong and I hate it so much. I don't even have it. I actually, my people just do it. I'm not a numbers person. So I just want to know, am I hitting the numbers? That's what I want to know. As far as like, you do the bookkeeping. You do the, the CPA firm does all this stuff. They And then I have calls with them every month. I get the reports and I'm like, I look at the reports. I'm like, what does this mean? I have no idea. Like, I don't even care. Does it, is it, is there profit here or not? Like, and so I'm all about, I, I the one thing I will say is I, I focus on profit first, which mm-hmm. is a book that Mike Michalowicz wrote. And, um, and it's all about taking profit out of your business before anything else. And so I I do all of that before they get the accounting anyways. <laughs> so my profit's there. So I'm good. And I've never, even when I had the agency, I had somebody else doing all the bookkeeping stuff. I just wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, I do my invoicing and stuff. So I know, and that's how I really um, kind of stay grounded in terms of, of what's happening and what I'm making. I do that, but then the rest of the bookkeeping, someone else does, but I can see it. So yeah, helpful to me and I don't want to mess with it. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are going to be many other people on the podcast in the future that answer QuickBooks as the software tool. And I'm sure that there are people that have hacks and ways to use it. I know you can automate it and do all kinds of things with like, project management software and other stuff. So that's cool stuff. Yes. Laura, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. I would love for you to tell our listeners and our viewers on YouTube, where can they find you? How do they reach out to you? How do they get in touch? You can find us at designinvasion.com 
or you can email me at laura at designinvasion.com or call me at 314-440-6951. Sweet. So uh, Design Invasion is located in Burlington, Mass. We're happy to have them on the Mass Business Podcast. Don't forget if you're listening on your favorite podcast app to subscribe and join us on the fan base. On YouTube, we want you to subscribe. We're trying to get to a 1,000 subscribers as quickly as possible to help all these small business owners grow and provide stability for their business in a post-pandemic world. Thanks so much for joining us. As I always like to say, don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five everyone around you. Thank you for listening to the Mass Business Podcast, where we focus on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. Don't forget to like on your favorite platform and share out this podcast. This show has been produced by Heather Grant, music by Celtic Kelly, all rights reserved. I'm your host, professional speaker, author, and word-of-mouth referral consultant, Matt Ward. Don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five everyone around you. Feeling all right. High five the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High five the world. Make a difference today. High five the world. What a thing to say. Feel what I'm telling you There's really nothing to it It's just an attitude